This episode of Geek Gloves Nerd is brought to you by DrawYouPicture.com and GoDaddy, where the codes PODNAME121 can save you on your next domain name. Peace out, peeps. We have a theme song and everything. Listen to the words. Let them flood your spirit. Geek Gloves Nerd. Nerd loves geek. At least you did. Nay, last week. Jen wanted her to spill her to be a little bit bigger so it could cover her entire face so she could hide Welcome to Geek Loves Nerd, trying to find something in common since 1996, show number 44, brought to you the week of May 2nd, 2009. I am James, I'm the married husband of uh, this lady over here, I'm the geek. And my name's Jen, I'm the nerd. And uh, this is a little show we do, uh, where we just talk about stuff to do with our marriage, and if you're married, great, awesome, that's great, and if you're not, you need to listen anyway, because you will be one day, unless you're really, really annoying to everyone that knows you. And uh, you're going to need a chance. You're going to need some skills. So uh, speaking of skills, we happen to be recording live here today at the Marriage Ability Conference at Sheffield Family Life Center in Kansas City, Missouri. And we're joined by at least one, two, three, four couples. So we're probably one of the least popular classes in the entire conference. It's, it's really <laughs> awesome. But we'd just like to thank everybody that joined us. We've never done a live show before, so this is kind of a treat, and I hope it is for the folks that are here. Um, it, it, we're going to be doing a shorter show. The segments are 45 minutes long. We're going to do about 30 minutes of the main topic. We won't be doing any weekly updates or kid updates or movie and TV updates or any of the other annoying updates that you guys probably skip over anyway. Uh, we're going to hit right into the topic. And this week we're talking about uh, parents as pastors because we've talked a lot about how we um, how we incorporate and weave faith into our kids' lives, but we've never actually uh, just sat down and said, here's, here's how to do it and here's what we do and here's what's worked for us. So we're going to do that and hopefully with a lot of input and feedback from the folks in the audience. So again, folks, anytime you want to step up to the microphone, it is recording track three the entire time. So um, how you doing, Jen? I'm doing good. How are you? I, I, I'm very well. I, I want to know on a scale from one to ten how un, how un uh, how uncomfortable are you recording in front of a group of people? Mm, one being what? Very. One, one being um, I love it, and then ten being I think it's amazing. <laughs> oh my God. How about a negative like three? <laughs> All right, so you're just okay with it then. Great. See, I couldn't lose either way. Oh, my gosh. So let's talk about um, parents as pastors. Uh, a lot of people, we, we were argued with by the people that put the conference together. They said they don't like the topic name because they thought that nobody would come because they thought maybe we were trying to turn parents into pastors. And I'm like, well, duh, that's exactly what we're talking about. What do you, what do you think about the title? What do you think that title says? Um, I don't know. It, it does sound kind of scary to think of like having to be a pastor to be a parent. Mm. So. so it was. So you agree with all my critics? Yeah, then. that's awesome. <laughs> I love <Sorry>. you too. <laughs> no, I think it's a great title. It's brilliant. <laughs> the the PP thing. Is yeah, just, PP is also awesome. <laughs> um, well, parents as pastors is a. It, it, I stole it from parents as teachers. 
which is even scarier to me, but it's a, it's a uh, program that's done for people that have babies that aren't quite in preschool yet. And uh, we've actually had those folks come out to the house and they teach you practical ways to help your kids grow mentally. And so I really wanted to do a class that had some very practical down to earth ways to help parents grow spiritually because I know as a parent, I, when it comes to making my kid healthy, that's easy because we mm-hmm. just feed them, make sure they go to bed on time, and bandage them up and take them to the emergency room at 3 a.m. when they fall out of the bunk bed. Um, <laughs> to keep them mentally alert, we, we make sure they read to them when they're young. I mean, we know what to do, but why is it that when it comes to spiritual things, all of a sudden there's this fear that comes over us and we don't know how to do it. We feel like we're, we're not capable. Well, I think, too, people think they have to be perfect with the spiritual stuff. And they figure, oh, I, I can't can be perfect then I'm not even going to bother, or it's just too hard. Or. I think also people, you know, you have a child, and they're just like you, and it's scary and annoying. It is scary and annoying. And it, it always <laughs> seems to be all your worst traits were genetically passed down to your child. <laughs> and so you're like, I can't discipline my child over this because I do the same thing. And, and I know a lot of people I feel, they haven't worked it out in their own life, and they're like, okay, how can I critique this or add this to my child's life if I haven't done it myself. So um, obviously it's important though to realize that you know uh, your, your children are not going to be judged on your behavior when they stand before God. It's just going to be them and you. And I think America has, the reason why we lose 18, or I'm sorry, 80% of our 18 year olds from church I think is because they've had a relationship with God, they've had a relationship with their parents God through their parents They've been forced to go to church, forced to read the Bible, and they haven't had a serious connection with God themselves. And I think that's the main thing that needs to change. And I know that's what we're trying to do in our family mm-hmm. is Jen will be like, I don't know how to pray. And I'm like, well, work it out. Get out of my face. No, I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> it's your God. I have a different one. No. So um, let's talk about some practical ways we can weave faith in everyday life because I'm going to be honest. I, I love the idea of having a Friday night Bible study with the kids. But it's not something we do, especially with preschoolers. But even, could you imagine if your parents, you're 16, you're about to go on a date, and your parents say, no, we're going to come in and read the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, is that setting yourself up to win uh, no. spiritually Probably with your not. kids? No, especially <laughs> not on if Friday night. A, yeah, especially if it was a brand new idea. So... Uh, you know, and again, that's probably an American concept that, that church is Sunday morning, church is Sunday night, church is Wednesday night, and then you just go about and live your life the rest of the time. So God belongs in these three little areas. Uh, we believe God belongs everywhere at every time, every move I make, every breath I breathe. And so we're going to talk about some ways. We just have a list of bullet points. I did five of them. Jen did four. So she slacked off a little bit <laughs> of ways that we've decided to weave uh, faith into our children's life. Because my job is important as a children's pastor, but only as important as the uh, my job in, in, uh, in your kid's life is only as important as God is, as you are at home enforcing God in your own in your own life. I can only I can only reinforce what you're already doing. So a family that brings a kid to church and sits through my service, if you have one kid that doesn't know anything about God, one kid that that only knows about God on Sunday and one kid that that lives and breathes a relationship with Christ 24 hours a day, that kid's going to get the most out of the service. So um, we're going we're parents as pastors is a huge title because I believe when I read through the Bible I don't see anything about children's pastors. I don't see anything about my job in there. Um, I do see train up a child in a way should go. And especially since we've had kids, I've realized um, I'm with them as a children's pastor. 
I'm with your children at most three or four hours a week if they came every single time the doors were open. But we're with our kids way too much at home. <laughs> yeah, we are. All the time until 8.30 or 9 o'clock or if you can convince them to go to bed when the lights are still on outside. <laughs> it's still daylight. So uh, let's hit number one. The first one is, is the concept of, and I think the most important one, um, is unconditional love. The, the, the concept of unconditional love. My daughter, when she was three, uh, started to be able to understand this, and it was a situation where I had given her a spanking, um, and she was in trouble. And I could just look in her eyes and tell she thought that uh, not only did I not approve of her, but that I didn't really like her anymore. I could tell. And um, as she was weeping, and which breaks your heart, you know, uh, only, only until you walk back out and see the crayons on the wall and then you remember why. But, um, but I, I looked at her and I was able to explain to her, do you know that, that I love you? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, I love you when you're good and I love you even when you're bad. And she, she started crying even more than, you love me when I'm bad? And I'm like, yes, absolutely. And, and then that was the foundation. Later on, we were able to add the, the whole thing of, you know why we do that? Because that's the way God loves us. That's the way Jesus loves us. And, and then, of course, she gets into preschool and starts learning. Jesus loves me when I'm good, even when I do the things I should. Jesus loves me when I'm bad, even though it makes him sad. Uh, and so she put it all together. And she would even say it in the car. On, on, we'd be going places. Um, Daddy, you love me even when I'm bad, right? And I'm like, yeah. And then I was thinking, but we need to get her introduced to the teachings of Paul. Do I sin so that grace will abound? <laughs> you know, because I can be really bad and you'll love me even more, Daddy. But uh, unconditional love is, is huge because I believe a connection, and this is where I differ from some of my peers in the children's ministry area. I believe a child's relationship with you at, the, at a young age is more important than in their relationship with God. Why is that? And that if you think about it, when you read the Bible, especially for what it's saying to kids, um, God is always trying to connect the hearts of kids with their fathers and with their mothers and the mothers with their kids. And that is because every person that has an issue with God as a grown-up has a weird relationship with their parents. And everything you struggle with about God is something you took away from your dad or your mom or somebody that was overbearing or judgmental or, or didn't love you uh, unconditionally. And you struggle with that. And I believe that the, the, the family is the context that your relationship with God comes from. So at a very young age, we're talking five under, even eight and under, um, whatever, your relationship with them is, is vital to what their relationship with God will be later on. Well, and at that age, especially I can tell with Jenna at four, they're such concrete thinkers. Mm -hmm. They can't really fully understand the concept of God. So they have to apply it to something. And um, so it usually gets applied directly to the parents. It's true. Uh, Here's an example. Jenna came up to me one time. She says, I don't don't love Jesus. And I'm like, okay, why? Because I'm not going to freak out about that. She's, She's four. Um, she says, because Jesus, you said Jesus is my friend, and he never comes over to my house. There's concrete for you. He's one of my <laughs> friends. Why? She's asking me now, where is God? Where is Jesus? You know? and, and then I said, well, he's, he's out there in the sky. And, and then so today she follows that up with, well, what's beyond the sky? What's past the sky? Is it outer space? She goes, oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll ask you some more questions about that later. Because <laughs> no answers are ever good enough for our daughter. Well, Daddy, what are trains made out of? metal 
No, <laughs> they're made out of lots of little trains. Like, so she gets it from her mom. So, <laughs> so not true. So unconditional love is vital, absolutely vital. You got. I didn't get unconditional love as a kid. I was loved great and awesome when I was being good. And then when I was bad, there was there was just punishment. There was no balance of, you know, there was no correction. I'm sorry, there was no direction. There was just correction. You're being bad. You're, you're wrong. You're messed up. And that led to me believing in a God that only liked me when I was performing, when I was doing the pastor thing, when I was singing songs, when I was doing things. But if I, if I just didn't feel like being the upfront guy, if I didn't feel like being the funny guy, God had no use for me. And so I had to work through that. I don't want my daughter and I don't want our kids to feel that, that God uh, loves us conditionally. He loves us. He even loves the bad guys, Jenna. What? Are bad guys in real, real town? That's what she calls it. It's not real world. It's real town. Is Jesus in real town? Yes. Yes, he is. Um, so, yeah. Do you want to do one of yours? Yeah, I'll do one of mine. Um, the first thing I thought of, um, especially not being a pastor myself, just a, a more practical way just, of thinking of— Just a pastor's of, wife. <laughs> yeah, that's just all. a pastor's wife. Um, is a— it's, it's pretty basic, but keeping your kids in church, taking your kids to church, being consistent, teaching them that church and God are a big deal and a big priority in your life, because that's what they're going to take away. You know, if, if you love sports, they'll probably love sports. If, if you like Buzz Lightyear? They'll probably like Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> if you like Star Wars? They'll probably like Star Wars. And if you like church? They'll like it too. So, I mean, and that also, it, it's kind of twofold because it, it shows that you're committed. Plus, you know, they get a, a steady diet of Bible teaching and they get, um, you know, they're just exposed to it constantly. It becomes a part of their life. And I am shocked at how much Jenna takes away from, mm-hmm. from a church service. She remembers a lot of the stuff and it's like, wow, you know, she's only there a few hours a week, but it makes a big difference. Absolutely. Go ahead. Well, consistency again. Um, and, and when they see the thing that, that triggered something in me or would have actually um, as a child is if I had seen the stuff we talked about in church affect my family when we got back home. And a lot of times you don't see that. I came from a very charismatic church and um, there was a lot of hooping and hollering and, and shaking and Jesus this, and a lot of Jewish music, sounding music. I don't think Jews had ever actually sung this stuff. They just, they, we just ripped off their style. But um, when we got home, the church service, whether it was good or bad, was based on how it made my folks feel. That was a great service. All oh, the spirit moved. I just, ooh. But then it never, it never made a difference. There were still arguments on the way home. There was still, so I can remember, so I can say, honestly, as a child, or from a child's perspective, uh, kids want to see what's going on in church affect the home. If they don't, it, it does at school. They come home, they have homework. They come home, they have extracurricular activities. They come home and they've got to make a, a present for their teacher for Valentine's Day. There's, there's stuff that ties home into school. Why don't we have that going on in church? And um, I, I hate to say it, but that's not my job. That's, that's y'all's. That's ours as parents to make sure. What did you learn about in school today? What did you learn about in Sunday school? Well, God, okay, but... <laughs> What did you learn about God? Uh, I know with Jenna, I, I can't get her to tell me what she learned about until I ask what, what Theo, the puppet, did. Or what did you eat in snack? Oh, oh, we ate David and Goliath. You know, because they build a snack that reinforces less than all that kind of stuff. So there's a little side tip on how to dig stuff out of your kids. Um, 
I, 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 my second thing was a code of conduct, which is a big fancy word for saying um, acting like Jesus would you know, act. Uh, my official word here was uh, a code of conduct, conduct based on biblical principles. Just what would Jesus do? Living like Christ, um, practicing that. Um, that way, when your kids ask you, why do you do such a thing or why do we do that? Making sure you say, well, because we believe blah, 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 blah in our house. Um, not just because mommy said so or daddy said so. I, I think that that day, if it ever had a day, it's definitely over now um, because that's going to only last until they're uh, till they think they're bigger than you. And then the, then their way, because I say so, is going to outweigh because mommy says so. Um, I'll give you an example of how that works in our family. Jenna has had somehow figured out in her mind that daddy was the fun parent and mommy was the business parent. Even though I'm a harsher um, disciplinarian than she is, and even though she is the one that provides all the really fun stuff that I get to just do, you know? Like, she buys the DVDs, I watch them with her, you know, that kind of stuff. And it had gotten ridiculous to the point that she um, would literally boo when we would come home if it was me and her and I was bringing her back from school or something. And, mom, and she saw mom's car and the, oh, mom's home. We can't do anything fun. And, 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 or when Jen would say, I'm going to the store, I'm taking the boy. Yay, we're going to watch Star Wars or something. And I got really sick of that because I'm like, this is my wife. I've known this woman a lot longer than I've known this little pipsqueak. <laughs> And, and I'm upset still that she doesn't look like Jennifer, which I was really banking on. But uh, so I sat her down one day and I says, and I explained, I said, you know what? Mommy is not just your mommy. She's my wife. Her name is Jennifer. Oh, you know, just hearing her through Jennifer was, was a big thing. And I met her years before you were even born. And we, we dated and we went to movies and, and uh, we fell in love and we got married. And that's why you exist, because I decided that I was going to give my whole life and my whole heart to her. And I need you to realize that, uh, no, you know what? That's the second part. That was part two. Part one was just addressing the fun part. I said, you say that daddy's fun and mommy's not fun. I said, but do you realize all your paint pretty dresses? You know who buys those? Oh, mommy does. And uh, do you know who picked out your preschool that you love so much that daddy gets to take you to? Oh, mommy did, you know, and all this stuff. Mommy's fun. Mommy's, and, and because we did that, and then I, I followed it up with the whole uh, later on with the uh, she's, my, she's my wife thing. Um, now she has totally changed her attitude. When she sees the car, she's like, yeah, mommy's home. <laughs> and it's real. It's not just something she does. She doesn't look at me to see if I'm, if I'm responding or if I approve or disapprove. She literally, and, and she'll tell me, you know why I'm excited? Because she's your wife. And, and now there's something in there forever that she'll hold on to, that she will demand from some dude, some freckle-faced boy that I'm going to want to punch out. <laughs> And all that to say, that's a biblical concept about marriage, that, that I'm here to protect her, and, I'm, and we're here, and we're one flesh, and our relationship is more important than any other relationship in the house. And did I quote chapter and verse? No, but it's a biblical idea that we core, that's one of our core values because we believe it. We had it in the marriage before the kids were even there, and we live it out. And so when those challenges come up, we know how to address it because of the Word of God. So um, I don't know. I don't know. What do you got? Oh, you want me to do mine? Does anybody have any comments or questions? Feedback? No? Great. Excellent. Keep going. We're going to be out of here shortly. Gates, um, Gates is waiting. <laughs> uh, 
another one, it's kind of goes along with the one I said before, but um, getting involved in church is another big deal. Um, it, it gets the kids involved as well most of the time because you're bringing them along. So this is beyond just attending. Yeah, just, you know, being involved in a specific ministry of whatever. But, I mean, if, if you worked with uh, Operation Loves Outreach, your kids, you bring them along and they, they learn about it. Even if they're not doing that much, even if they're four or five or whatever, they still learn. They, they start to understand the concepts. They start to get to see some of the benefits of helping. Um, and another side benefit is they will form friendships with the other workers' say. children. And... Um, We've seen definitely having worked in youth ministry that when they hit youth age, it's the friends that matter. It's mm -hmm. the friends that keep them coming back to church. I mean, obviously you can make them come to church, but if they get connected with friends in church, then as teenagers, they're more likely to stay. They're well, more likely to be engaged. And as high schoolers, I think we all know, but statistics have proven that a child um, values their friends' opinions more than their parents' opinions at a certain point, especially in those high school, middle school days. And to me, it's getting younger and younger and younger every single year. It used to be high school. Now it's sixth grade. Kids are switching over, and now mom and dad are embarrassing. I was embarrassed by my parents until like 12th grade. Of course, I was a little late in the blooming thing. I'm just getting whiskers finally coming in. But, but no, that's huge. Yeah. And, and do, you know, do you want your kids' core circle of friends coming from their school, which I'm not dissing your kids' school, or do you want to come from church? Because um, that's going to carry them through. That's going to help. That's going to influence their choice of, of colleges and, and the, the people they're dating, the people they're seeing, whatever. Uh, so get them, the more time you can spend in church, the better. And, and to me, I know that one of the things that keeps me saved is my ministry. Because I don't, I, I don't like myself enough to read the Bible just for me and pray just for me. A relationship with God's great. I don't want to go to hell or anything. But, um, but I'm too lazy, really, at my core. If it was just about me, I like that it's about somebody else, that I'm, that I'm becoming a better Christian so that I can model it for my kids um, and, and for the kids that I minister to. So, uh, you know, it's going to help you to be a better Christian when you have to be because you've got to show up at Saturday at you know, 12 o'clock and you've got to pass out lunches and you've got to answer questions from hobos and stuff like that. It's going to be good for you. So we're not, actually, we're not, we're not trying to say that you should go in that ministry. I, I'd actually say children's <laughs> ministry, but uh, that's okay. That's all right. Let the Lord speak to you about that yourself. Um, it, uh, a big one, another big one, it seems like a small thing, but admitting when you're wrong. A lot of parents are afraid to uh, admit when they've messed up to their kids. But it's huge. It's absolutely huge when you do that. If you make a mistake, especially in discipline, and Lord forbid you give them a spanking or you put them in timeout or you holler at them when they didn't do what you thought they did, go in there and tell them that because it will almost completely erase everything that just happened. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I messed up. Here's what I thought you did. You didn't do that. Um, now, that's not an example we see from God because God never has to apologize for anything. But it is a biblical concept, and, and um, I, think, I think in our weakness, God is made strong. And when you come across and you say, you know, I, I don't know it all. I don't have all, it all figured out. I, you're setting an example for them, and you're making it easier for them to be able to back down and not be as hard-headed when they're arguing with you next time. But I know, again, I just have to keep saying, Jenna, she's the only kid I have other than the one that doesn't speak or walk yet. <laughs> But I'm sure he we'll, walks a little bit. Yeah, come to the class in a couple of years. We'll 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 have a whole different method methodology. I'm sure <laughs> with a boy. Uh, but I know with, with her, I had to tell her, um, 
you know, I, I made, I've made a mistake. I'm sorry. And another thing along with that is when kids ask questions and you don't know the answer, don't make up answers. You know, uh, that, that was the way it was done for me. My, I asked my mom, because uh, my grandpa was dead, how did he die and, 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 and what happened to him? Well, he climbed up that pine tree right there and he jumped right into heaven. And it made sense because the pine tree was bent over on the top and I thought he used it like a diving board. <laughs> I was a very concrete thinker. And forever, she also told me that my, my grandpa created the little stick man that throws stuff in the trash that's on every trash can in the world. And that's the reason why I became an artist. So my whole life is based on a lie. But it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. We're going to work through this right here. So don't, you know, and, and babies aren't brought by storks. I found that out the hard way. It was gross. It was horrible. What in the world? So Stork would have been so much nicer and cheaper. But um, so don't tell kids lies. It, it, here's, here's our basic rule about kids and answering questions. If they, if they can't understand it, it's not for them to know yet. I'm not going to teach my kids about the Gadarean demonic and pulling chains off and demons talking and wanting to go into a pig. I mean, could you imagine how many, even an eight-year-old, I don't know, your kids are your kids and you talk to them how you want to. But my basic rule, and, and uh, even in children's ministry, people come up to me. I had a kid that was in seventh grade. Pastor, Kevin just talked to us about someone. So you never told us that. You told us that story and you left that part out. And I'm like, dude, you couldn't handle that at fourth grade. You couldn't handle that part. Um, so, uh, you know, just answer questions, and if you don't know the answer, tell them. I'm sorry, I don't know. One of the best answers I ever hear, heard Pastor George, uh, uh, Pastor Westlake, I'm sorry, on his, on his TV show say is, I don't know, the Bible doesn't say. I don't know. And, and let's figure it out. Let's, let's weigh and, and test and approve and figure out what God would have us do, because the Bible doesn't say. Uh, and I think a lot of times we think if the Bible doesn't say, if we don't have a clear answer, that somehow this fragile foundation that we've constructed for our kids is going to crash and crumble and they're going to question everything. And that's not true. It's when we start making up answers that don't make sense in their life that that starts crumbling and falling apart. Because they're going to test it and approve it even if, even if we don't want them to. And it, if it can't stand on its own, that's when they leave. We, statistics say that kids leave at 18, that we lose them at 18. I believe we lose them between 6th and 8th grade, but they still have to come to church with their parents until they graduate high school. So, um, you know, think about your kids and, and just keep, just live it in front of them and, and be, don't be afraid to admit that you don't know and that, uh, and, and that you were wrong about things. Um, my next one was tithing, which um, kind of doesn't seem to go. But for, I, our, for our listeners at home that may be unchurched, what is tithing? Tithing is um, giving 10% of what you make to the church that you attend. Before taxes or after taxes? That's the eternal question. <laughs> Does, do you want God to bless you before or after taxes? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> word, word to your mother. Word from um, your mother. Before taxes. Um, anyway... But um, I think that's really important because if they learn at a young age how, how to take care of their money and what's important, I, th I think it lifelong will help them. You know, if they, if they see their parents tithing at a young age and it's something that's always done, I don't think they'll think twice about it when they get older. And I think it helps them, you know, it helps them learn to manage their own money, mm -hmm. honestly, which is a huge life skill. I think it helps set priorities, too. Exactly. And I keep yeah. referencing America. That's our culture. But we are very self-centered and very money-oriented. Even the American dream, if you just break it down, is very self-centered. It's about me making my way and my money. And, and, and when you put that against the status symbols we put against each other, how pretty is your wife? How awesome is your house? How cool is your car? And how much debt are you in? 
<laughs> yeah. That's that seems to be the standards, but tithing is totally counterculture. It's the opposite of that. It's giving and first. it's a sacrifice. And it's yeah. putting God first in your in your finances, and that's a great thing to instill in your kids. Something Jen and I had talked about, because I I decided I was really smart. We always forget to give our daughter offering. I put a cup full of pennies and stuff in my car so she'll remember to grab some. And then God just kind of got a hold of me and said, No, James, you need to have her pull in pennies and quarters and nickels out of her own piggy bank. She's not. She's given your money. Given her money is a completely different thing. And so, if if you're not a fan of um, uh, what's it called, uh, monthly or weekly allowances. allowances, thank allowances. you so much. We haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> but if you're not a fan of allowances, you might be just so that you can start. T- in James City, we, which is our children's church here, we say a tithe is a tenth. The tithe of the tenth. Tithe of the tenth. And you try to say it three times fast, and you can't. But. Um, we teach them how to move that decimal place over one one bit. Ten dollars is a dollar. You know, a dollar's a dime. A dime's a penny, and um, it works. And it's a good thing to teach kids. Good good idea. When are we gonna start tithing? <laughs> I think it really helped the church. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh I I kind of addressed this last, but but answering questions from a biblical worldview is a big one. I guess I skipped and and, and did both, but that's fine because you only had four things anyway. So now right. I secretly have four. But, you know, why is the sky blue? Um, why do bad guys hurt people? Um, you know, all these different things. Jen, Jenna was really upset one time because we were watching this movie, and it was really cool and awesome and awesome. And I don't remember which movie it was, but all of a sudden the bad guy appeared, and she paused the movie. She said, why does every movie have a bad guy? She was so upset that there was going to be drama in this movie. And I'm like, well, it's hard to explain. And then you translate that into real life where bad guys aren't the good, because I try to explain to her that bad guys make the movie good because <laughs> if there were no bad guys they'd just be hugging each other the whole time um there would be no drama but you know are there bad guys in real town yes there are um we had an experience a couple weeks ago actually a couple months ago where we were first on the scene at a, at a really bad accident greg hawley uh was struck from behind he's he's the guy that runs the local uh, or ran the local uh steamboat museum he was hit by some some guys driving and racing and I had the blessing and slash curse of holding his hand as he died on the side of the road. And my daughter and family were in the car, not 20 feet from there. And my daughter knew, you know, I'd mentioned Mr. Greg, and she still prays for him, even though he's passed on. And uh, But she talks about, uh, because of some of the questions that I've answered for her about right and wrong and about God and all this, I realized that God's word really is living. And I realized what that means because she, I'm going to tell you what she told me one time, and I never taught her this. I never taught her this. She took this concept and this concept, and it grew inside of her spirit and birthed something that was just as true and just as valid as if I had taught it to her, but she didn't get it. Or she didn't get it from me. She got it straight from the Holy Spirit, which is awesome. So God's Word is living because it grows inside of you. Um, we were driving down the road, and she says something to the effect of, um, uh, then those boys hit Mr. Gregg. Um, are they in jail? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Well, they will not get out until they have said, I'm sorry to the police mm-hmm. and to Mr. Gregg's family. And I was like, well, okay, I'm going to let that one go because it sounds like a good idea to me. And then she says, but they still will be in trouble until they say, I'm sorry to God. So the concept of forgiveness came in there. And that's such a huge thing to try to explain to kids. That, and, but she got it. And, and she'll still you know, pray for Mr. Greg and break my heart a little bit every single time. Um, but, but again, if it's not 
for her to understand. It's not for her to know yet. She doesn't need to know that Mr. Greg's in heaven, you know. Um, I tried to explain it to her. She doesn't care. <laughs> She's still praying for Mr. Greg. Well, even this, she did. She said this. She says, uh, um, I'm going to pray that Mr. Greg, when they, something, so he'll get better so he can come back from heaven for his family. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And, and that's why, you know, I don't, there's a lot of things I don't stress about teaching kids. That, that some people do. We feel like we can educate them and educate them. But just like Pastor says, some college people are educated by under their intelligence. I think we can do the same thing to kids. And they got so much in their head that they, they can't process it. Kids need to know about <laughs> unconditional love. They need to know how to say I'm sorry. They need to know that God loves them and that sin makes your heart yucky and Jesus can clean it up. And that they need to obey their parents. Uh, and they need to treat other people how they want to be treated. And that's about it until they get into middle school. If you can just get that drilled in their head, middle school is going to be a breeze, actually. Um, what do you got? Are we on number four for you? Um, what you've really covered my last one. Oh, I'm sorry. So, What is it? Go ahead and read it. Oh, just telling them sure, about Jesus, uh, telling them stories from the Bible, why you do certain things, modeling the right behavior to them. You've touched on well, it. Well, no, 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 we didn't. I didn't talk about prayer or Bible reading, which is huge. Um, you know, a good time for Bible reading for kids. I, I read my kid Bible stories at night before bed and all that kind of stuff. But when a kid gets older and they can start to read it for themselves, the, one of the best times to weave it in and make it work is during breakfast. Um, we all read cereal boxes as a kid. But after you've read it that first time, let your kid read the cereal box the first time they get the new box. But now they don't even change out the pictures very often mm -hmm. anyway. Uh, Reese's Puffs has really let me down. <laughs> and, the, and the mazes on Captain Crunch are not that challenging anymore. But have them sit down and read the Bible. It's 10 minutes out of their day, and they're not doing anything else other than looking like they need coffee anyway. I don't think we looked like that when we were kids. Kids now look like they need coffee. It's mm. weird. I think it's because we all drank it when we were pregnant with them. I say we as in the women <laughs> in the room, not the men. I wasn't pregnant. <laughs> and you don't drink coffee. No, I don't. So I'm not the problem in our house. It's all you. Oh, thank you. Um, but, but prayer is, is huge. And prayer at night, you know, prayer in the morning, whenever you want to do prayer is great. But I also am a big fan of kids catching you pray. Daddy, who are you talking to? Jenna, I was praying. I'm praying. Um, uh, you know, and then in the evening, this is something I thought about just last night when we were doing our bedtime prayers. I prayed with my cousins, or my, I'm sorry, Jennifer's who are they to me? Brother and sister-in-law. Thank you. Uh, I prayed with their kids one night because we stayed, we, we were there for vacation and they have a prayer that they pray. They have a, you know, now I lay me down to sleep kind of prayer. And I got nothing against those except that when my daughter prays, and of course my daughter's better than all of your children. Oh my gosh. When she prays, she says, dear Jesus, thank you for my fun day. Thank you for I don't know. She'll just come up with stuff. Thank you that, that for my mom and dad and for my and and for me. Thank you that I love my mom and dad and thank you that I love me. And because uh, she's four, it's still all about her. But uh, and she will go through her day. It's kind of a recap thing. She'll go through. Thank you for this and thank you for that. And I, for as for me and my house, I like that a lot better. 
because it's teaching them how to pray for real. How many kids could I pull into my church and say, and, and they can't pray past two minutes? That's because that's how long it takes to stay the little rhyming prayer. And again, there's nothing wrong with those. But what if you said the rhyming prayer and then added two or three things to the end? Sweetheart, we're going to pray tonight and you're going to say your prayer. But then I want you to say five things that you're thankful for and start weaving that in there. And pretty soon the sing-songy prayer will go away and you can start, you know, just, just making, up, making up your own on the fly. And that's something we modeled for them at a very early age before she could even uh, talk, before, while she was screaming in the bed, all colicky. You know, you just pray for him. Lord, just cast this demon out of this child in Jesus' name. Come out. That you know, didn't really happen. No, no, not at the all. shouting and the and the cold. I should have warmed the the the, the anointing oil before mm-hmm. I splattered it on her. Um, but uh, no, but you start praying, and then pretty soon they start mimicking you, and that's what we did. Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, and then it switched, and then she was asking us to mimic her, and she would mimic us while we mimicked her, and then pretty soon I would pray, and then she would pray, and that's the way it still is today. We pray before we go to school because I'd get to drop her off to school. We pray on the way home, and then when she gets hurt, and all these different things. But that's just it. it the one thing I, I teach in Jam City, and we live it out in our life, is because every turn every worry into a prayer, every problem into a prayer, every doubt into a prayer, and uh, that's what we try to do. And uh, we try to get our kid to do that too. She's still allowed to come running and screaming if, if she breaks her leg or something, but we'll pray for her after we get her this, to the <laughs> hospital. Um, is that everything? Yeah, I think that's it. Wow. That's good. Now, we'd, we'd like to open up the floor. We still have about three or four minutes. Does anybody have any input, comments, questions, or whatever you would? At least one of you would be great. There's a microphone. You can either stand up to it or you could grab it and have a seat. But we'd love to have some feedback from our people so that the folks out there in real town know that uh, there's somebody here. Here, uh, Tell your name. Hey, this is uh, Fel. Hey, Just Fel. wanted to ask you a question on how do you view uh, – parents as pastors in the area of discipline and mm. uh, timeouts and spanking and all that uh, issue. That's, that's my heart right there. Thank you so much, by the way, Phil. Appreciate it. Um, <laughs> that was awesome. Um, matter of fact, it was so awesome, in fact, that I would like to take just a moment. I'm sorry, it's going to take a second, but it's worth it. Oh, wait. <laughs> I was going to be so cool, but it's not here. Uh, we'll just do this. Yeah. All right. There you go. Um, I had some applause, but I don't know where it is right now. Mm. All these sound effects. Uh, discipline is, is probably, if there's an area that I, I feel the strongest about, it's that one. Because I believe discipline, it's a dirty word to most people, um, but it, it doesn't have to be. A lot of times people were abused or, or overcorrected or, or something under the guise, under the name discipline, and so they hate that word. I know I had a, a militaristic uh, Marine stepdad that used the word discipline and made me hate it. But discipline and the word discipling are almost the same thing in my world. I use those two words interchangeably. So every time you hear me say discipline, I'm talking about discipling because discipline in a family is not teaching a child to be good. It's teaching a child to be like Christ. And kids, when they learn to be good, they really are just learning how to stay out of trouble. And we know a lot of church kids like that. We were, maybe some of us were that. We, we learned to look like we were being good, but behind the scenes, when nobody was looking, we weren't good at all. So we learned how to be good. Um, so in the, 
parents as pastors and the concept of discipline, again, that unconditional love thing at the very beginning that we talked about, that was done during a discipline situation. Being fair and consistent as possible is huge. Being consistent, oh my Lord, being consistent. Um, in our family, I can just go through it in a nutshell, we set minimum requirements for our child. Minimum requirements are, are not goals. They're not the high points. This is what I want my kid to be. It's if my child crosses this line, I know if I'm in a bad mood, if I'm in a good mood, if there's people around, if we're all alone, if it, it's the same. If my child crosses this lower end, they will get this punishment. Boom, whatever it is. Um, and what that does is if you're a man, I have to imagine that half of you are in this room, um, that we know that sometimes we over-discipline if we're angry and we under-discipline if we're in a good mood. Well, a minimum requirement will help you know if my child steps over this line, I can trust myself to do the discipline that we'd set up in advance. It doesn't matter if I'm in a good mood or a bad mood. I've got to do something because this kid stepped over this line. I do that same thing in Jam City. Um, but, for instance, one of our things right now is, uh, what, what's an example for Jenna? That oh you don't pick up the boy you just don't pick him up he's he's too big and and so that's a minimum requirement if you pick up the child you will get in trouble and then partner that with a consequence ladder again we do in Jam City we do it in my house first time is a verbal warning second time is a timeout third time in my house you're gonna get a spanking probably about two licks depends <laughs> and um, and so there is a consistent structure in place that that child can can um can rely on the other thing is too with discipline is that the consequences have to outweigh the benefits of disobedience and let me explain that uh, a lot of times we we say we're disciplined kids consistently but it's not working well you haven't found what that kid hates losing enough to to obey um, a kid these days go do your homework no, I don't want to do my homework. Well, go to your room. Well, you just sent them to a room full of Nintendo and video games. They were going to be in the room doing homework if they obeyed you. Now they're in the room with television. The punishment did not outweigh the benefit. Now there's a benefit to disobedience. Even with us as adults, why do you think they call it temptation? Sin isn't ugly. It's wonderful looking at first. That's why it's tempting. Um, and so we have to train ourselves even that the hard work that we do for God eventually pays off and outweighs the benefit, quote unquote, of that rush that when you sin. Um, and so you have to do the same for your kids. Find out what that thing is and do it. For our kid, um, recently it was cleaning up a room and every night, man, there was just littlest pet shops and Barbie heads and everything all <laughs> over the place. And it just got ridiculous she'd be in there for hours kind of playing kids don't ever want to play with toys until it's time to clean them up or until after you've cleaned them up for them it's That's amazing right. <laughs> how awesome they are um, but we finally started i just started going in with a trash bag now i told her in advance next time you don't clean up i'm gonna start taking your stuff usually you save that till high school but i started taking her stuff and i bagged up stuff and put it up in our room i didn't hide it because that way it wouldn't tempt her to go looking for it. It was right there in, in plain view. And when that room was clean for two days, she could have it back. But it took three days of going up and getting stuff. Jen got quite annoyed with the big pile of Barbie heads <laughs> in our at room. the foot of our bed. <laughs> yeah. But what that did is it taught my child that there was a there was the benefit of not cleaning your room wasn't a benefit anymore because you weren't going to have any stuff to play with. And then um, she also started learning how to clean her room. Because before she'd be like, well, what do I do? What do I do? Well, now I can say anything you don't want in a bag in my room you need to pick up and put away and that's a very concrete idea that my daughter <laughs> yeah. can wrap her head around and she can she can clean that room in five minutes now mm -hmm. it's awesome 
she does better. So uh, any other any other questions or anything? But but again, uh, oh, to, to the God thing about discipline is in the real world, sin leads to death and obedience leads to life. Obedience to God leads to life. And so in your family, you have a microcosm, a chance to exaggerate the benefits of obedience and exaggerate the consequences of disobedience. And you do that. And people say, well, I don't want to discipline my child because I want a relationship with them. You know what? A relationship not based on proper discipline and and where you're the boss and the relationship needs to die anyway. So kill it and start over. Um, Well, I don't want to crimp their style and I don't want to this, that, and the other. Um, You know, God. God loves us. And it, it, to me, discipline is the grace. Discipline is love. It's not even hard love or, or whatever they call it, rough love, tough, tough love. love. It's real tough love, love because God set up candles, for instance, fire to burn you. That seems like it hurts, but that's grace. Because if you were sleeping back in the old days and had a candle next to your bed and you rolled over and put your hand on it, if God hadn't set it up that way, you would die in your bed and not even know it because you'd be on fire. That heat, that pain is the grace. And that's what we provide our children in, a, in the context of di- discipline in the family. Uh, a little bit of discomfort, a little bit of whatever it is, to keep them from totally driving off the cliff in their life. So uh, that's, that's good stuff. I don't care who you are. That's funny. That's funny stuff. Well, we're, uh, any other comments? We're right at the 44-minute mark. So we're going to... Yes, yes, please. <laughs> My daughter happens to be in an environment where she's mostly around other Christian kids. But I have a few things that are kind of pet peeves that I don't allow in our house or don't allow to do. But mm-hmm. they're not really bad things. And mm-hmm. lots of Christian kids believe they're okay and their families do. Um, I, sometimes I'm at a little bit of a loss of what happens when she does go to somebody's house. Do I go ahead and say, you know, if you're at their house, there's nothing wrong with this. It's okay. Or do I say, tell them you can't do this, you know, and uh, i got to be different than you or whatever. But anyway, what, what are your thoughts on some of that stuff? My, my, we've, we've talked about that. Um, I, I don't know that I'm a big fan of people going over to other people's houses anymore. I, you know, back in the old days when you were in a small town in, 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 uh, in, in the prairie, you know, a little house on the prairie, everybody went to the one, one room schoolhouse church and, and everybody had the same pastor and pretty much the same morals, but it's not like that anymore. Um, I believe in play dates. You know, um, as long as your your friend's kids aren't terrors, I don't like my kid being around kids that say "but," and 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 you know, and my daughter, she she struggles being around kids because he's bad. He needs to learn to go to school so he can learn to be good. She will she will tell us what this kid needs to do, um, and she'll tell and all this kind of stuff because she's at her at her core a pretty good kid. But um, with that kind of stuff, I'm going to control and I'm going to micromanage my child's morality and I'm going to make sure not to protect them from being exposed to it, but I want to be there to control the exposure. I want to know what's going on. If there was a movie going on, it's going to be a lot easier for me in advance to say to the parent, you know, look, we, you know, I, I noticed blah, blah, blah. We, Chronicles of Narnia is just too much for our kid at this age, blah, blah, blah. Would you, you know, we brought some movies or something like that. And then you and mom go in there and have coffee in the, in the kitchen, but you're there. Um, I don't know. I don't know. As, as our kid gets older and all that, I, I think I'm going to be a bigger fan of having people at my house than I am the other way around, which puts later on, that's going to be liability. We're going to have to have kids sign releases before they can even come to your house. That's how ridiculous. I'm not even kidding. It sounds funny, but it won't be when you got to have that file drawer right next to your front door. <laughs> well, um, I think if, if it's along the lines of, like, say I don't prefer my kid to eat ice cream in the middle of the day, but if they're at someone else's house, I'm real lax about that. Yeah. I mean, if it's 
real harmless stuff. Uh, you know, it's just not worth it. But if it's like NASCAR, <laughs> it's not like NASCAR. I'm not allowing that in my house. <laughs> okay. I don't know. But yeah, I always do relax the rules when they're around other kids if it's reasonable stuff, just because. But they, they I would don't just have say avoid a situation where that's even going to be an issue. Because that child, I heard extreme circumstances where a kid was ripping up another kid's Pokemon stuffed animal that he had had since he was a baby. That's not really showing the love of Christ. That's, that's, that kid's going to be in counseling for the rest of his life. The Jesus kid tore up my Mushu or whatever it is. <laughs> you know, that's not what we want to portray. But uh, if I can create that, again, that microcosm, that world, um, where my kid can try out his faith and where, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, and if I'm there, that kid can come to me. Hey, Mom, they're in there doing this. They pulled out something, something, and we don't allow that. You know, what should I do? I know in this era, my, our daughter would. You know, so my cousin pulled the poster off the wall, and now he's crumbling it up. <laughs> I would like to separate myself from his badness so I don't also get spanked. <laughs> I'm not really telling. I'm just letting you know that that's going on. So. All right. Well, if you have any questions, you can save them till after the conference, but we got to close it out. Um, thank you so much, everybody in the room, for, for helping making our first live recording a success. I, I assume it was. Thank you, Jen. And uh, till next week, I loved you. I loved you, too.